For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. You are in the spotlight with Brian Gardner for this Tuesday, September the 29th, 2015. Good to have you all here for our first of three shows this week. Yes, three shows, as is the norm here. Tonight, of course, our sports-focused show, but, of course, there will also be some wrestling. And as, as has been the case, over from the, uh, as was the case last week, pardon me, We'll also be doing a little entertainment tonight as we consider continue. Wow, it must be. It feels like a Monday to me. Sorry, folks, I'm stumbling over myself. But uh, we will continue our fall TV report series as we kind of uh, make our way through all the new shows and all the returning shows and how they're doing as they start off, both ratings-wise and creatively. So we'll continue that tonight and part, as, as that will be part three of our report. And then we'll do that also, and then we'll do part four on Thursday's show, which is our usual entertainment show anyway, so you'll get that. Also, of course, our box office beat will be on Thursday as well. Um, and then, of course, Friday, football Friday, which right now, the tentative time, um, I'll have to get back to you. Right now, if I had to guess, I'd say it'd probably be more on the early side of things, but we will see what happens here. Um give you all a time on Thursday's show. So give you a little insight. That's a little insight into what will be going on this week. Um, a lot of people have asked me, because, you know, we've had, we had the TV awards uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, we, we really haven't done a whole lot special. The anniversary is next week. Again, by design, okay? I, I, I never really explain to people. I give you all a set plan as to what was going to happen. Next month, is the month where we're going to go, pardon my French here, balls to the walls and give you everything for the anniversary and then beyond. Because, see, here's the thing. Most people assume, okay, 50 years, when it's your anniversary, they assume you do it building up to it. You could do it that way or you could do it once you hit it and then coming out of it, continue on with the anniversary celebration. We're doing it. We've done a little bit this year. We're going to do a little bit next year. We have to break this. Remember, folks, okay, here's the thing. We only do two shows a week. And as is the case with a lot of shows, if we don't give the audience what they're accustomed to, like certain segments, like the box office beat, or if we don't do sports talk one week, or do something like if we don't do the things that we know our people, our, our audience is accustomed to doing, they freak. You all know you freak. You know when I changed the box office beat and made it a little bit less mandatory, like if we go a week without doing it, it was no big deal, people freak. They're like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what, what, what? what? And, and now you've all grown accustomed to it, yes. But if I change, make any other significant changes, there's going to be hell to pay. So that's why I try to keep at least the majority of what we do on a week-to-week basis and not try to, you know, for the sake of just doing anniversary stuff, special stuff, try to fit too much in. You know, we've done that in the past, and that's when we've had a, a, had horrible shows. You know, right now, 
we wanted, we're doing a couple special things, the fall TV report, you know, got a couple other things in the offing. We did the TV awards a couple weeks ago. We had to get those out of the way. We are still going to do the ultimate in the spotlight awards, which will be coming up starting in October. Um, one of the things we were going to do was the big um, all-time r- rankings of the of the reality competition, singing shows or whatever. We are still going to do that, but we remember I, I made this announcement a couple weeks back. We decided to push it back a little bit because of American Idol coming to. I thought it made sense to kind of do that along with the season coming to with the series coming to an end. It made sense to do it then, so that's why we put it off. Not because you know we can't do it, but because we thought it makes more sense to do it then. There's a couple other things, too, and one of the things I also wanted to do, too, is because some of the things that we are planning to do are so different than anything, and some of it is so radical and groundbreaking for us, and it's going to kind of change things for us. And I don't want to do that until we hit the five-year mark. And, I, and one of the things that we're going to do next week, now the actual anniversary is October 5th. Our first show aired on Blog Talk Radio October 5th. Um, so obviously that falls on a Monday. We're not going to do a Monday show. So we will be celebrating it on Tuesday and probably also on Thursday. So both shows next week are going to have anniversary celebrations to them. Now, what those celebrations are going to be, we'll let you know on Thursday. Um, I don't want to get into too many details. Obviously, we're going to be nostalgic. Obviously, we're going to talk about the show, talk about the listeners. We're going to reminisce a little bit. We're going to do that kind of thing. And I think maybe one of those shows will be more of that kind of show, and then one of the shows will be more about something else, something fun, something you know, discussion-based or whatever. And, you know, that I think that's for the best. And then the week after, we'll start kind of like doing the big stunt stuff. You know what I mean? I thought it was more appropriate to devote the week of the extra anniversary to the nostalgic stuff, to more of the reflectionary stuff, but also the celebration stuff, like maybe we do stuff um, – a different way than we usually do. But then after coming out of it the weeks that follow, we not, not only do we do new stuff, but we do some of this big stuff, like big segments, big special features, you know, that kind of thing. I didn't want to do that at the anniversary because I feel like it takes away from the celebration. So we'll get into more of this on Thursday. I'll lay, not going to lay everything out for you, but I'll lay, you out, lay out enough of the plan that I think will whet your appetites a little bit. And then, you know, next week will be next week. And then we'll make some big announcements. Some And, you know, we've already gone through a lot of changes this year with this show. And we're going to go through more. I've tipped my hand on a couple of them. You know, we're changing the name a little bit. Um, you know, there's going to be some more, cha- more changes. And I, you know, I've, I've always feared changing things a little bit because, you know, you get comfortable. But... We've been doing this for five years. We're over 500 episodes. We're approaching 600. And as much as I love what we do and as much as I love the things that we do and it's great, you know, people, I still, I feel like we are not even close to what we should be. 
And, you know, over the summer we made small, intricate changes that I thought helped. You know, and, and people were worried about that. They were like, oh, you're going to change the show. You know, I got tons of mail over the summer. You're going to change the show. You're going to change the show. You know, like I said, people freaked out when we when we altered the box office beat and got away from predicting box office numbers and stuff. And, you know, and now people like what we've done to it because it's more discussion-based and less about regurgitating stuff you can read off a computer. And that's what the point was. You know, everybody fears change, I think, on some level. But we're never going to grow if we don't. And there's just some things that have to change. And, you know, we're going to be losing Jeff Tech in a few weeks, which is, it sucks, but it's just the way it's going to be. And, you know, what? there's going to be some other things going on, too, and it's the perfect opportunity to approach them and go into them. So, um, so yeah, we'll get into all that stuff. You know, I'll give you all the lay of the land with the anniversary stuff on Thursday, and then next week we'll talk more about changes and reflect and nostalgia and all that fun, good stuff. So there it is. I wanted to address – I wanted to kind of give you all an idea of some things because I've been getting tons of mail about it. I just didn't want to leave it unsaid. So there you go. All right, let's get going because my co-host is waiting, and I don't want to make him angry. So um, as always, you want to interact and contribute to the show, want to get your voice heard, you can do so by emailing us at itspotlight411 at gmail.com. Again, it's itspotlight411 at gmail.com. You can also follow us and tweet us at itspotlight411. Again, it's at itspotlight411. And please remember to use the hashtag, hashtag itspotlight411. Again, it's hashtag itspotlight411 for anything you tweet regarding our show. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for us using the current title of our show in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. Again, that title will be changing, but for right now, Use in the spotlight with Brian Gardner in your search. And once you find us on Facebook, like our fan page, and then go ahead and post whatever it is you like to post. All right. So with all that being said, let me get my co-host on here. Mike, you are in the spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying something. I haven't enjoyed it for a while. What is that? Popcorn. Oh, look, nostalgia already. Mike's eating popcorn. No. It hasn't been happening in a while. No, no, this is, well, this is popcorn. But it's different. Is it? This is homemade. Oh. Chocolate-covered popcorn. Oh, wow. Because my arteries aren't clogged enough. No. It is really good, though. Way to make all of our audience drool and salivation over chocolate-covered popcorn. It is covered with melted down Hershey's chocolate chip. Ooh. Yes. It was placed upon perfectly popped popcorn. Most salted, too, surprisingly. Oh. Because you have the, you have the sweet and the... Oh, that's uh, good. That's sugary. Yeah. The sweet and the salted. It's really good. You've, de- you've definitely interested me, <laughs> that's for sure. Because I'm, I'm not really a popcorn person anymore because I don't like the salt usually. But well, well, no speaking for taste, but right, the taste right. is fantastic. Well, uh, well, I mean, I'm not late because of the popcorn. 
the popcorn actually holds really well in the fridge. Oh, cool, cool. I'm not reason. Would you care to guess what they are? No, I would not. Thank you very much. You finally learned. A miracle. <laughs> so, okay. I'll be fair, it was moving cars. It had nothing to do with that. You sick, perverted bastard. So, so sorry. All right. It's not my mind that went there. It was your mind that went there. Oh, oh, whatever. All right. Allow me to introduce the third member of our team, our mentioned but never heard because that's just the way he likes it. Everybody say hi to Jeff Tech. Speaking of gross, and that's the way he likes it. Jeff Tech is our technical guru. If he were... Oh, man. If I want to say what I was... What if I said what I was about to say, this entire show would just be silent and censored and whispered. Yeah, Which is, of course, Jeff Tech's personal life in terms of being a technical guru in history of the show. <laughs> uh, uh, not his personal life. Just the risque parts of it. All right. Just saying. Yeah, just saying. All right. So um, I gave you all kind of the idea of what's going to be happening. And... Um, all right, so all we have to do is get right into what's going to be what we're going to be doing tonight. Which again, we're going to do some sports stuff. Which really, since we do football Friday, we don't talk football on this show. It's basically just a little talk about baseball, which really is going to be a little talk because mostly everything's locked up at this point. We talked about the anticlimactic nature of the season last week. I'm not going to be um, belabor that point because I think it speaks for itself. But we will do a little bit with that. Some people wanted me to talk about Jordan Spieth's tour championship victory. Uh, we've already talked enough about Jordan Spieth. I think we all know that he's like the heir apparent to all things PGA at this point. Good for him. But, you know, it's a big win. It's been his year. Um, we'll see you again at Augusta because that's, you know, the tour championship needs to ha- – it's just to me – you know, it, it happens way too late for it to matter to people. And I'm not trying to, be, to take digs at golf here, but the way they schedule this thing is stupid. All right, this should all climax before Labor Day. Dragging this stuff out into the fall and that is just pointless. People lose golf before Labor Day. It's just, you know, as soon as the PGA Championship is over with, that's it. So that's when the Tour Championship, and, and people get confused by it. Like, wait a minute, PGA Championship, and now the Tour. Like, people get confused by that stuff. You got to figure out a way to make that more accessible to people. I mean, I understand it, but most people don't. So we're not going to do anything with that. Um, so basically, our sports content tonight is baseball talk. Although there is a, a little breaking news story that I want to touch on real quick because uh, we will be heading into basketball season soon. So it makes sense to bring something up from there. Again, we will be doing a little bit of wrestling, not a whole lot, because you know, last week we did a lot with that, and that's because we're coming off a pay-per-view. This week we're going to simply talk about the fact that WWE continues to dig a hole for itself. All right. Um, so we'll do a little bit with that. And then part three of our fall TV report, as we continue to guide ourselves through this open, um, these opening salvos of the fall TV season with the new and returning shows. So we'll kind of do a little... Run down with the shows that have been airing or premiering since 
we last discussed things, which was on Thursday. So that will be our show tonight. But first, I want to talk about the real break. We'll start with sports as usual. And I want to talk about the real breaking sports story. Um, well, I guess not really breaking, but if you knew, if you haven't been following today, you might. There's a couple. Of, actually, there's two stories. One is Derek Rose. Um, now, there was another injury story today, too, and that one's um, Iman Schumper is going to miss 12 to 14 weeks, um, which is a devastating blow to Cleveland. Um, but that one got overshadowed by another another story today, and that is Derek Rose, who suffered an orbital fracture and is undergoing surgery on Wednesday. Now, no timeline for return, um, but again, it's another in a series of injuries. He just had a meniscalectomy back in February. It's just another in a long line of injuries for Derrick Rose. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because of the fact he's had all these injuries. There is no return timetable. A listener actually emailed this to me and said, you know what, at what point do the Bulls just decide? Not, you, you can't trade him. And look, when he played last year, he was phenomenal. He was actually back to himself, okay? Even after he, he missed some games in February, he came back strong and he played well. That was a good sign. But at what point, if you're the Bulls, do you say, you know what, we can't, keep, we can't always live in fear that something else is going to happen to this guy and go get somebody else? either at another position to kind of lead the team. Because if anybody needs a number two guy to go along with a Derrick Rose, it's the Bulls. Because all your hopes and all your plans are on a guy that has not been able to stay on a court regularly in three years. And, again, you've had three years to kind of formulate a plan, and instead you maintain the status quo, thinking and hoping that nothing goes wrong. At what point do you finally just say, you know what, enough's enough. We have to go out there and get something. You can't get rid of Derrick Rose, and you have to keep playing him, yes, when he's healthy. But at what point do you get him a, a guy to kind of be his, not necessarily his sidekick, but his, you know, co-MVP of the team? Mike, do you think it's time to get uh, Derrick Rose uh, second in command? I think it's time for the Bulls to get that team a, a first in command, a <laughs> new, like, primary guard. Because here's the thing. This is, like, Derrick Rose's, like, third major injury in, what, three or four years? Yep. Like, Derrick Rose, I think at this point, probably should be demoted. Is he a franchise guy still? Yes. He is probably when he's not scared of his own shadow because he was at times a little bit and it did hurt the Bulls. He needs to, he he's not he's not your centerpiece anymore. You he cannot be your centerpiece. You don't go through the, all of the major injuries Derrick Rose has gone through and come back expecting to be the centerpiece guy. Right. You, you just can't. They they actually need to go into um, if they can get a guy, um, 
mid-season, that'd be fine. But they need to start looking for the draft. They need to start looking for next year's um, free agent market. They need a guy who doesn't compliment Derek Rose. They need a guy who how to for uh, Derek Rose to compliment him. Right. That's how it'll have to be. Because Derek Rose is not your guy anymore. Is he still a player with a lot of value? Absolutely. Absolutely, no doubt about it. He's one of the top five point guards in the league when healthy and playing at full strength. Problem is, he's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. And he, there's no way he can come back and play automatically at full strength. It just isn't happening. So, the, I that's, think that's, my, that's long and short. Yeah. You got to find the new number one. Yeah. You know, Wilbon, Michael Wilbon said it best. I mean, he's had not to diminish this injury, he has had worse, more, more um, career-threatening injuries. I mean, he has. But this is still a significant injury. He's going to miss some time. He's going to probably miss maybe the first, at least month of the season, if that. You know, because they are still, a, I mean, we've still got about a month left before the season. So, again, and, and, and you know how he's been with his knees, and it's just... And we all know he's always hesitant when he first comes back because he's afraid. And my thing with this is, you know, I I understand why they've been hesitant to do anything before now. I completely get it. Okay, but you gotta. Even if you don't want to think think of it from a standpoint of right now, this season, think about it for the next few seasons. Because look, I'm not saying Derrick Rose is near 40, okay, but he is he is going in his 30s now. With the knee injuries he's had, he he's not going to be able to play as long as some other players like a Chris Paul might be able to play. Okay, you got to start to think about that. And like you said, Mike, you know what? They do have the – I think they have the availability. They do have the draft picks and stuff. They can make a midseason deal. I've seen a lot of people say, wait a minute, you know what? Cleveland is in that conference. There's so many good teams in the East now. And then obviously we got the teams in the West. The Bulls are not winning an NBA championship anytime soon. They're not. Maybe it's time that they think about dismantling that team and rebuilding. And instead of just continuing to go – you know, with what you have and getting maybe a four or five seed and maybe you get to the second round and that's it. You know, this ain't the same team it was three years ago when they were the number one seed. Too many other teams have caught up to them, particularly Cleveland, which is, you know, Cleveland's going to be the number one team in the East this year. You know what? Let me stop you right there. I See, here's the thing. I am one of those people that just really, really hates her building. I, I I just the concept of rebuilding, it's like blowing the team up and then just starting from scratch. It's just something that is important to me, and I've hated it for for forever. Like the Bulls pretty much blew up their team after Jordan left and Pippen left. They're like, oh, we're all yeah, and they weren't good again until they 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 hit rock bottom and got Derrick Rose. 
that that that's insane because then you you're going through years like oh well, we're, we're rebuilding, right? Then right. you're going to put your franchise through years of the endless cycle of players looking for something to stick, the endless cycle of coaches hoping that something for hopefully something clicks. You're going to go through the fan hardship where we're asking you to endure X amount of years where we suck. Right. And that puts a financial burden on the city. It puts a financial burden on the play, the fans that they're asking to come out and support them. You're going to charge the exact amount the same if you're first in the friggin' division or last. You're charging the same. There's a financial hardship on the city and the people who live there. So, honestly, the, the concept of blowing up the team is a terrible idea. The concept of staying competitive and figuring out which players can we add to this current project. Right. Kind of along and kind of, it's almost like restocking. Right. Keep a bunch of guys who can help you stay competitive. Keep the workhorses. Now, these guys will at least give you 500. And then right. along the way, you pick up teams. I mean, are you ever going to be first in the draft? No, but you maybe you could put together a package where it might get you somewhere. And honestly, a lot of those guys first in the draft don't pan out. Right. So essentially, you're asking your GM to get smarter. You're asking your owner to give a crap. And you're asking, and you you're asking yourselves, like, well, blowing up the team is the lazy way out, and a lot of these teams are going to take the lazy way out, right. and that's just how it is. Well, let's put it this way: there is a compromise to be made here. First of all, being a Yankee fan, I never believed in rebuilding. I think there's no, ways to kind of compromise the two. Like, you look at what you have, you look where you're weak, you look where you're strong. You look at contracts, you know what? Look, the Bulls right now are probably a four or five seed in the East, okay? That's what they were around last year. That's what they are. You know you can at least do that much. Now, that means you're competitive. That means you're in the in play. You look where you're at throughout the season, see how you all work out. If you see a potential for a trade at midseason where you're not going to gut your team to make that trade, then try to make that trade. If there isn't a trade to be had, fine, you keep playing. Now, let's say the Bulls are even less than a 4 or 5. Let's say they drop to like a 7 or an 8 because they have a really bad, maybe Derrick Rose isn't healthy, whatever, okay? Then you might say, you know what, all right, we're not going to blow up the team. What's, who, who is the guys that we can keep here for the future that are going to help us to win now? Joaquin Noah is definitely one of them, best defender on the team. You know, you look at guys like that who can continue to help you. You know you can't get rid of Derrick. So then you're like, all right, who on this team can we move? Maybe you can move, make space for salary cap rooms so you can go out in free agency and get a couple guys that are going to be more useful to you in the next four or five years. You know, maybe you get rid of some expiring contracts, make some switches, do that kind of thing. And then, you know, you go into the draft. The Bulls have always been good with the draft. They've always went and got some good players, Kirk Heinrich. Noah was obviously a draft pick. They've done very well in the draft. They can do that again, okay? Maybe you take trade some aspiring contracts for some draft pick. I mean, I don't know. You figure out ways to do it, especially since you are a big market team. You don't want to just write off the season 
because they are a competitive team now. Even when Derrick Rose isn't healthy, they're a competitive team. So they've you been, can't just write they, it off and do and what they've they been, did. Right, right. They've been competitive. Even when Derrick Rose went down. Right, that's what I said. Well, yeah, and I'm saying it too because, because I can't, so deal with it. Yeah. But they need... But they need to be smart about this, I think, now. I think they've stayed with the status quo long enough. This has to be their season where they look at this team and go, all right, where are we going? Because are we just going to keep doing the same thing year in and year out? Are we just going to keep doing it? What, what is, what is going to help us going forward, and what do we need to go get to up the, up the ceiling here? That's what they need to be doing, and, and especially in light of what's going on with Derek now. Because it, it's, it's you know, at some point, yeah, you're competitive, but everybody in that fan base is going to say, boy, you know, I'm, I'm really sick of being in the same spot year after year. Yeah, you're relevant, but at what point do you want more? You want to start to rival Cleveland, you got to do something to do that. And no, not trading for Kobe Bryant, which, you know, it's going to be the rumor in midseason because the rumor out there is that he's not going to retire. That's probably going to be his last year as a Laker. That's not going to help anything. Because Kobe's one foot out the door, okay? Kobe, if, if, he, if he does stay beyond this season, and I think he will keep playing beyond this season, then he needs to go to a team that has already a collection of talent around him where he doesn't have to be a 40-point-a-game guy because he can't – I know he's been superhuman his whole career except for the last year and a half, but he can't continue to do that anymore. It's done. Sure, he can probably still put up 30 or maybe even the occasional 40, but not game in and game out. Derrick Rose's story was one of the bigger break-in stories. Another story, and we, we don't have time to really elongate this, this story because it's a long branch-out kind of one, but um, SMU was, and, and Ray Brown were disciplined, disciplined pardon me, today for violations. SMU was banned from the 2016 postseason, and Larry Brown is uh, banned for nine, suspended for nine games. So the hammer has come down on SMU, which everybody expected. North Carolina is probably next in line. Um, this was more than eight months after the school acknowledged an NCAA investigation. This is their tenth major infraction case, more than any other program. Nine scholarships will be lost over the next three years. Um, and they're also on three years probation. School was reviewing the report. And then Subway will decide if they want to appeal the findings. This is the third time a Larry Brown coach program has been sanctioned by the NCAA with the others being Kansas and UCLA. Um, there's a lot of people thinking that they might fire Larry Brown. I, I, I don't know. But um, part of this, this is just something we all knew was coming. Um. You know, I'm kind of if it was good if it was coming. I'm kind of glad that it was announced now and not, you know, in the middle of the season, so it takes the focus off the play. But, um, Mike, you got any opinion on this? I didn't even know it was. Uh, I see. I was out of the loop today. So what was it? Um, 
Larry Brown? Larry Brown suspended for nine games. Um, and SMU is banned from the 2016 postseason. They've also lost nine scholarships over the next three years, and they're on three years probation. Uh, for what? Well, <laughs> basically, um, it's part of the investigation stemmed from whether former basketball administrator, ex-assistant coach, Oleg Meligi helped Keith Fraser to become eligible to play there. Um, this, uh, then still we did not reveal any names when announcing the Saints, but did say a former assistant men's basketball coach encouraged an athlete to enroll in an online course to meet NCAA initial eligibility standards and be admitted to the university. The NCAA also said a former men's basketball administrative assistant hired by Larry Brown then completed the coursework and she then provided false information to NCAA investigators and also attempted to influence the player to provide false information. Let's see. I am... Apparently that assistant resigned in September 2014, according to SMU. See, I I haven't followed this story at all. I've been busy. I've been sleeping. I've been working. I have been... My head was not in college basketball. Multiple injection from the school conduct. Eight months after the school acknowledged an NCAA investigation, is the SMU's tenth major. SMU for school they got the death penalty before. It's like they didn't learn from it. Yeah, it's it is just a joke at this point. Um, SMU is going to appeal. Totally going to appeal. Um, just my. You no, no, you go ahead because I'm, I'm now I'm reviewing it. It's like what the hell? Okay, are you... well, while you review it, I'll make my point. Um, look, this. Here, here's the, here's the problem SMU is going to face. Okay, they've had such a habit of having infractions. <laughs> They're leading in infractions now, by the way, um, that they don't get the be- now. They're going to appeal this, yes, and I know that this shouldn't factor at all, but they're not going to get the better for the doubt on anything. And Larry Brown has been in this situation before, and he's already apparently acknowledged to the NCAA uh, he's failed in, uh, in errors in judgment. So. Look, they're going to appeal just to see if they can, you know, in good faith, reduce the penalties here. They're not. They're going to still get banned from the postseason. They ain't going to change that. Mm-hmm. But they might be able to get a reduction in the scholarship um, limitations. That might be where they can amend it if they can. But look, Ray Brown's not going to. The problem is he already said that it was an error in judgment. Like he's already been kind of self-reflectionary on that. And with his history, again, this is the third time that he's had to deal with something like this. And in SMU's history, it's it's so hard for that, even though it's not supposed to factor into anything, each case is supposed to be um, judged individually, you know that that's going to factor here because we're like, well, wait a minute, you know what? How many times, I mean, how many times do we have to be here? Both coach and program. I mean, it, it's just it's just ridiculous. 
I'm kind of surprised, and I, and people are going to say, well, wait a minute, how bad did you think it would be? I'm kind of surprised it wasn't worse. I mean, yeah, the postseason ban is bad. Like, that's huge, yeah, you know, because they were probably yeah, our tournament team. But I thought it would be worse for Larry Brown, especially what Jim Beheim got. Like, I thought there'd be some wins reductions or something. All he got was, you know, you're suspended. The program obviously got the huge banning from the postseason. And the scholarship, now that's, that hurts, yes. But I thought Larry Brown would get more than that. Especially since, but maybe it's because he was cooperative and he openly admitted that there was, a, he, there was an issue and he's at fault for it. Maybe that was like I was like a mercy kind of thing. Like, okay, I I it happened. I'm sorry. We'll take our punishment. And maybe that's why he only got the nine game suspension. There was no. I mean, I don't know. It, it just seems weird to me that that was all he got. The program punishment seems to be along the lines of what the NCAA has been pulling. But the coach, what happened to Bayheim last year? I could. I really thought Brown was going to get more. I really, truly thought that. That's that was my initial reaction. But I, I really can't sit here and, and defend SMU here, as much as I like to, because you know the NCAA and we all know how we've been, how we've discussed their, you know, practices and what they've done and not done and everything else. But when you had a history of these infractions and when the coach himself has had a history of these kind of things, it's really hard to defend. That's, that's just, that's just the bottom line. Mike, you got anything to add? Well, yes, I finally kind of read up on the story a little bit. Okay. Uh it just kind of boils down to what the hell were they thinking? Like, <laughs> what the hell were they thinking? I mean, look, I think aspects of this punishment will be decreased in the end. I do. I think Larry Brown's punishment is going to get decreased because and this this argument kind of sets forth to all like coach arguments. Um, Jim uh, Joe Paterno covered up child rape and got all of his wins back. I feel like Jim Beheim is going to get all of his wins back, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Larry Brown's not going to get a big suspension out of this either. It's nine. He'll probably it'll probably be knocked down to like five or something. If he serves all nine, I'd, I'd be surprised, but it's not wholly unexpected, you know? I, I just feel like it might get knocked down. But really? You would think the academic advisor would know better hmm. than to uh, do the coursework for an online program for a player at SMU where they got where they're the leader in violations, which is surprising considering the University of Miami is a thing. Or, yeah, the U. The U is a thing. You know? But, but it's, that's surprising. 
And the fact that they've only got six is disappointing. They covered up way more. The fact that John Calipari still coaches, you would think, you know, you would think the the places he goes tend to get more than they get. But an administrative assistant did the coursework for Frazier, the player Frazier, who was a freshman. He was ineligible. He played. SMU does deserve a suspension for that. They played with an ineligible player, here go. I understand why they're getting the postseason ban. That makes total sense. I mean, it's different from the SU thing. The SU thing really just needs to kind of go away. In that they, the NCAA needs to do a giant mea culpa, suck Jim Beheim's dick, and then walk away. Here, you have to wonder what SMU and their athletics program is thinking. Because this could have very easily led to another death penalty. Was it as serious as, as that? No. Was it as widespread? No. But they're they're still investigating it. Well, if this guy got it, well, what about this guy? Well, we might have had some issues with this guy. What about this player? What about this player? You know, the questions don't end. So it's like, what were you thinking? You had just kind of finally come back to something. You made the tournament. You're a program of prominence now. You are uh, uh, you are going to be a major player this year. Maybe. What are you thinking? It's just... Uh, I, I I'm not surprised that it happened because I'm sure it happens more than just at SMU. I'm surprised it happened at SMU because that was a school that got the death penalty from the NCAA and it came back and now it's like now we're going back to it. Are you that stupid? You can't just be that desperate for wins. You have to be smart. You have to do it the honest way. Because the NCAA will not often get you if you're doing the honest stuff. If you're being honest about your players are actually going to class. Your players are actually going to practice. Your players are actually doing well in class. You are encouraging them to do well. They're playing hard. These things should be celebrated. You should not be looking for the shortcuts. Shortcuts get you sanctioned. Uh-huh. I don't know why SMU didn't have that friggin' plastered all over their, their their wall. Shortcuts equal sanctions. <sighs> That's all I got to say about that. Holy crap. And like I said, you know, now that the SMU thing's done, now that the Syracuse thing is I mean, at least the punishments have been levied, whether there's, a, I mean, appeals will be heard and everything else, but you know, next is North Carolina, and that's the one that is going to be really dicey because of the late Dean Smith, may rest in peace, and how it affects his program as well. It goes way back to that. So we'll see what happens there. Nothing's been mentioned in a long time on that, but you know that's the next one that's going to get the focus. So, um, 
And yes, folks, I am well aware that, you know, there's an NFL story involving Tom Brady in the Floyd Gate, but we're going to talk about that one on Friday. Because I got about three emails about that. Well, don't you talk? We don't do NFL on Tuesday if you do that on Friday. Thanks. But, yeah, so. I really don't think I'm going to discuss it then because I'm sick of the deflate gate nonsense. Who cares? Gosh. All right. On to baseball. And I'm going to, I'm going to make this incredibly quick because, really, what else can be said about these races? First of all, here's where you're at. We know the NL is set. The Mets have clinched. The Dodgers are about to clinch. All three central teams are in. The Cardinals are likely going to be your division champ. You know, that division's been – that it, it really is historic how good the NL Central has been. Three 90-win teams, one team that's going to at least win 100 games. I mean, it, it, that is an incredible division. I mean, when you got three teams with 90 wins, it's just – and that shows you why, like, you look at the other divisions and why – you know, the Mets are going to win 90 games, the, uh, the Dodgers are going to win 90 games, but why nobody else knows divisions is. Because the Central beat up everybody else in the NL. But it's just incredible. And I've seen a lot of people say they feel like the World Series champ could come out of the NL Central. I, I could com- completely agree with that. First of all, I think you could pick any three teams out of the NL Central and say they're going to the World Series, even the Cubs. The only team outside of that division that I think has a chance in the NL is the Mets, and that's because of the pitching. The Dodgers, I don't think, have a chance in hell. I really don't. I really don't. I think it's just – I mean, they got Greinke, but, you know, you figure whoever they're going to match up with in, in, in the first round is going to have a, a pitching advantage on them. It, it, I just don't think they'll make it through. So – Really, it's all about positioning here. You know, obviously the Pirates and the Cubs could flip-flop wild card. But that's crucial because I think, obviously, home. You want if you're going to have that wild card game, you want to be the home team. So I think that's crucial. Whoever's at home obviously gets the big advantage. But everything else in the NL is set. I mean, look, the Mets right now, um, they can't be the one. You're the Dodgers. But if you're the Mets, you're trying like hell to get that number two seed that you can host that series, and, and right now I'd favor them to do so because the Dodgers have got to play the Giants, and the Giants are still hanging on, even though they're mathematically pretty much done, but they're still hanging on to hope, clinging to hope. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the Giants are also a prideful team. I think the, the Dodgers have a little bit of a tougher road left than the Mets. So I, I, I think the Mets will end up getting the two. But to me, I don't – in that particular series, I'm not sure if, home field going to make that much of a difference, um, personally. But we're not going to talk about series previews or anything yet because we're not there yet. But just judging by what we're seeing right now. And, and the AL side of things is where more has to be solved. Uh, obviously, the second wild card, the Yankees are going to be one of the wild cards. You know, they're not making it easy on themselves to clinch, but they're going to be at least one of the wild cards, more than likely the, the top wild card. Um, which means they'll host the game more than likely unless they do not win a game this week, which the way they're playing, who knows. But the question is, who do they face? That's the biggest question up in the air. And, the reason, and that is a huge question because the likelihood it, – it, because the matchup for the Yankees that I think is the most favorable is obviously the Twins. 
Yankees have always had their way with the Twins. The Twins do not have an ace, so they can't really support. Now, the other thing, too, is even for the teams that have an ace, like the Angels, and I guess the Angels would be the second most favorable. The Astros do have an ace in Cusho, but here's the thing. If this race goes down to the end of the, to the weekend, okay, these, these teams might have to use their number one pitcher on the weekend just to make the, the play-in game playoff game, and that could be huge for the Yankees because they might not have to face the number one pitcher for the team that they're playing. That's how huge that is. So the Yankees are hoping that that stuff drags out into the weekend. The Astros have had a horrid September, but how many times have we seen a team kind of back in and then all of a sudden recover their mojo in the playoffs? So I don't know if necessarily playing a team that's had a rough September that necessarily means that you got a better, an advantage over them. The team that I think the Yankees have the best chance in a playing game against the Twins. Doesn't mean they can't win the game against the Astros or the Angels, but, you know, to me that's the most favorable matchup. Now, the AL side of things in the playoffs is going to be this. The Rangers are likely winning the division. They're going to be in a game with either, with. Who knows? Because Kansas City and Toronto now, and here's something that I don't think enough people are focused on. Kansas City and Toronto are battling for that one seed. Kansas City, a, a, a couple of weeks ago, I thought I had it locked up. Now Toronto is the current one seed. Now that's huge because for two reasons. One, I think even though Kansas City for most of the first half of this season was the best team in baseball, and we all know what they did last year, Kansas City has quietly – kind of falling apart a little bit. If that, divi- if that division they were outside of the Twins wasn't so down this year, I don't think they would have had the record they had. You know, they've had issues in the bullpen. Their vaunted bullpen kind of fell apart. I mean, I think more people would rather see Kansas City if they're, in, as far as the, in the playoffs than the Blue Jays at this point. So what's crucial here is this. If you're a Yankee fan, and the Yankees win that playoff game and go on to the division series, you want to be playing Kansas City because I think the Yankees have the favorable matchup against Kansas City. They've done very well against Kansas City. If you're the Yankees, you do not want to see the Blue Jays, who you could not beat in the last, the last two months of the season, let alone the whole season, really, in a short series. You don't want to see Toronto. I don't think anybody wants to see Toronto right now in a short series. So Litsy's coming back. I mean, they got the lineup and the pitching right now. I think whoever wins that wild card game is going to want to see Kansas City. That's, I think, the bottom line. And I think Texas has the best chance to pick off Toronto in a short series. I, I truly think that because Texas offensively can rival Toronto. Pitching-wise, you know, they got Darvish and they got Hamels. I think they can probably match. I mean, Hamels can match up with Price. So I think Texas has the best chance to knock off Toronto. I think they have the best chance to do it in a short series. So that's why I think so much is crucial here. Who gets the one seed and who is, you know, and if you're the Yankees, you're hoping it's the Twins you meet, but that play-in game, whoever that matchup is, and if it goes to the weekend or not, that's crucial too. So seeding is up for grabs. Seeding is and that last wild card. So a lot to be settled there on the AL, but nothing so dramatic. The races, the division races are pretty much over. 
you got that one race for the second wild card, and it's not very dramatic only because, you know, all these teams are just playing so, like, it's kind of like a war of attrition at this point. It's not even a race of, like, everybody's kind of winning or they're not playing, you know, they're playing each other. And it's kind of like a war of attrition. Who's going to kind of survive and, and, and advance? So we'll see what happens. It should be really interesting. The wild card games will take place a week from tonight, October 6th. The Yankees will likely host the AL, the NL. Right now, the Pittsburgh Pirates would host it, but it could easily be the Cubs. So, we'll see what happens. But, it, it, you know, it's a shame that, they're, you know, outside the AL wild card, that more of this was a, a, a closer race. But I will say this much, the collection of teams, I've said this before this month, the collection of teams that you're going to have playing in October this year has a lot more intrigue and a lot more value in terms of popularity and with the mainstream than the last couple of years. You're going to have probably two, you're going to have two New York teams, you're going to have some, um, you're going to have the, uh, some uh, Dodgers in there, the Cubs in there. I mean, you got some big teams in there, all with good chances. That's a good thing. Toronto back. So I think it should make for some more interesting baseball than you've got in the last couple of years. That's a positive. And like I said, if you're not going to have a good end of the season, you hope that at least your postseason brings it. And we'll see if that's the case. All right, so let's get let's let's get out of sports and go on to sports entertainment. In this case, wrestling. And um, I'm bringing this up because now last week we talked about the aftermath of Night of Champions. Okay, and obviously, you know, a lot's been said pretty much since Summer even before SummerSlam. You've got the Divas Revolution, you know, which has gone through ebbs and flows, sometimes good, sometimes bad. You've had John Cena and his United States Championship storyline, which, you know, Rollins took the title, Cena took it back. You know, Kevin Owens was probably supposed to get it at one point. That fell apart. You've had Ryback and the Intercontinental Championship, Injury, play, kind of run. Now he's dropped it. Where's Daniel Bryan? When will he come back? Then the infamous Seth Rollins, Triple H, authority turning on him, Seth Rollins' face turn. You know, when will, will they push Roman Reigns again strong? You know, there's, there's a lot of things that have been out there and a lot of speculation, a lot of dirt sheet stuff, a lot of everything, okay? WrestleMania plans are now get, coming into play. You know, oh, there might be still Rock, Triple H, you know. There's a lot of things out there, Okay. But I think the one through line through all of this the last couple months and what's going on now is that the, with, the, with the ratings, and look, we all know ratings go down. It's a thing, okay? Ratings go down the fall. WWE has to bail football. I think that's a thing. The reason why they're lower than normal is because of the fact they started from a lower point. And the argument that's been tossed around even before football made its comeback was, well, and, and you've heard this rumor that USA even said this, USA Network. Oh, well, wrestling's not as popular as it once was, so of course ratings are dropping. And you heard last week that Vince, just dirt seats are saying that Vince is worried about ratings. And this time of year is usually when he does start to worry. Sometimes you see some drastic changes. 
and you wonder what those will be and if they will impact WrestleMania. The one through line through all this is that WWE is in trouble. And they're in trouble. We've talked about the reasons why before. This has been going on for a couple years now. They're trying to bring up, they're bringing up NXT people. They're trying to, but at the same time, there are people that are still costing the company by holding back. I'm completely committing to changing the guard. Now, I didn't know what we were going to do for a wrestling segment tonight, and I like to do wrestling on Mondays. A listener gave me this idea. He brought up the fact, it was a question, it was a question slash comment that I thought was really well phrased because you hear so much on message boards. You know, there's so many people. People complain all the time about WWE, okay? It's a, it's a thing. It's been a thing for years now, decades. But I like the way this was phrased. And here, here it is. I've been a fan of WWE since the mid-'90s. I've seen legends come and go. I've seen I've seen wrestlers leave, come back, come leave again, come back again. Same old, same old. I'm not one of those fans that casually complains. I usually stick it out. I know that everything has its time. Sometimes sometimes just like TV shows, you go through ruts. It's a given. It's So, I'm not that put off when things go bad for a little while. However, this has got to be the longest I've ever seen WWE be creatively devoid of anything remotely interesting. The builds to pay-per-views have been absolutely horrid for the last two years. Yes, there's a lot of new stars, and the crowd seems to really want to embrace a number of them. But just when they're on the precipice, outside of Daniel Bryan, of achieving superstardom, something comes crashing down to send them right back to earth where they merely have a pop from the crowd here and there. It just seems like, and I hate to point this out since he's no longer with the company, everything CM Punk said in his promos back in 2011 was right. Whenever somebody's about to reach the glass ceiling and grab that so-called brass ring, it's almost like somebody backstage says, enough is enough, oh, can't have that, can't take away from the golden goose, Right back down the ladder you go. Let's see if you can come right back up. That same star comes right back up and then gets pushed right back down the ladder again. I often feel like this is not WWE. It's just an everlasting long mind game that just seems to go around in circles, almost like a bad joke on the people watching it. You tease us with new, you tease us with different, you you tease us with intrigue every once in a while, you dangle a carrot, and then it gets pulled away from us. The best thing about WWE in the last year has been NXT, and that's because it's clearly been devoid of the kind of politics that goes on backstage on a daily basis. Sure, we can all praise, praise Triple H for doing that, but I also think we can praise the fact that it's, a, that it's focused on a bunch of entities, characters, wrestlers, whatever you want to call them, that clearly management and, and the main roster could care less about until they're, on their TV, until they're on their TV screens every week. And that's when they care because they have their set visit, vision and it's never going to change. At what point is enough enough? Fans rebelled when Daniel Bryan was almost pushed down that same proverbial ladder. And, they would, and fans did not accept Daniel Bryan being pushed down that ladder, and that's what led to him getting the best push in the last 10 years. 
at what point do the fans finally rally and push the company to finally put out a decent product? If the fans could be as committed as they committed to the product as they were to pushing Daniel Bryan, I think the WWE would be in a lot better place. Why don't the fans get that committed again? Are they simply buying what the company is selling? Are they simply not as invested in some of these newer talents as they were in Daniel Bryan? I'm at a loss for words right now. For the first time in, in, since I started watching WWE, I turned off Raw last night because I simply didn't care. The talent don't even look like they care. The so-called Divas Revolution going around in circles, and those Divas that were superstars down at NXT look bored to tears on the main roster. When the talent doesn't even give a bleep, I'm bleeping because I know obviously what he said. If the talent doesn't even give a bleep, why should I? If the talent's given up and the fans are complacent, what is there to do? Continue to watch this horrid train wreck that I once loved? Or just go to YouTube and watch watch what was once great because that's the only thing that really looks like wrestling to me at this moment. That was pretty well that was pretty good. There's questions in there, mostly comments, but that was pretty good. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Nothing you said was wrong. I appreciate the fact that you're not somebody that constantly complains because I, I sometimes can't take that seriously because you're, you fall into that group that's – I mean, even when just even when things are bad, there has to be something positive at some somewhere, even if it's small. Okay, I see a lot of the same things. I think we all know what 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 the reason is for why the company holds back on stars and why things are the way they are. I do think it's one of those cases where you know you you keep hoping that ratings going down and nothing getting better, that eventually something's going to click and be like, okay, it's it, we got to do something massive to change things. Because it has felt like the WWE has been in a massive rut, I, I, I think, pretty much since even, maybe even during Daniel Bryan's push, you know, I think even during that. Maybe since, maybe since WrestleMania 29, you know, I, I think maybe that. It's been two years. You know, there have been good spots here and there, but generally, I just think there's been one constant cycle of, you know, you can't try to push a new era while at the same time trying to stick with the status quo, too. you got to either fully commit or don't commit at all. And, you know, you can't have the Cena's and the big show's of the world continue to just squash people left and right. Look, I'll give you Lesnar because Lesnar's a special attraction, and he could end up putting somebody over at some point big. I'll give you Lesnar. That's okay. And even Undertaker. And Sting, even because you know he's willing to put people over. But, you know, guys like like, like Cena and Big Show, and these aren't part-timers. There's a full-timers. But you can't continue to push these guys the way you are at the expense of people that need to win over these guys to validate their pushes. Because those are the two guys I think have the most credibility on the full-time roster. And use them for something. I'm not saying put them on like 20-match losing streaks, because then you lose all their value. But 
build up a good program, have them have a good a talent go over somebody and over one of them, and let's go. There's no reason why Kevin Owens needs to be squashed by John Cena or Bray Wyatt. There's no reason why Big Show and, and I, no disrespect to Kane, but since he was involved, Big Show and Kane need to run a muck in the Royal Rumble last year. There's no reason. Those things are ridiculous. We really can't give Seth Rollins a clean win as a champion? This one? Mike, you got anything to add? I am on botchspot.com right now. It is it is literally one of the greatest greatest weeks in um wrestling webcomic history as it is Randy Orton week. And Randy Orton week uh involves Randy Orton in funny situations. It oh. is just it it is absolutely hilarious. There was one where Randy Orton was on Jeopardy. Oh no. <laughs> he was into his RKO pictures and he RKO'd Ryback and he got the answer right. Uh, Randy Orton, everybody. Randy Orton's a great example of what is kind of right about WWE. Orton, yeah, he went over Rollins at WrestleMania. But then he spent the next two months putting the guy over. Then he, you know, wrestled in a useless feud with Sheamus. So, but... But still, they're using those wins over Sheamus because maybe he's going to put over Bray Wyatt. Randy Orton is one of those guys who doesn't care putting guys over. Randy Orton will go out there, and as long as it makes sense, a lot of the old guys had had the same mentality. As long as it makes sense, I'll do jobs all day. As long as it tells a good story. The problem with WWE and what, what the guy says isn't wrong. I mean, Daniel Bryan did, in fact, have one of the biggest pushes of the last era. But they fully, but he's right. WWE fully intended to push that guy down the card. They were going to use that guy's overness to get over how bad Randy Orton was a heel. How bad of a heel Randy Orton is. The problem is, they would the fans would overtake the show. And even in that one segment, the champion of champions segment with John Cena and Daniel John Cena and Randy Orton were talking about all of that and all the past champions were there. Daniel Bryan was the star of the segment and it had nothing to do. Nothing to do with Cena or Orton. The problem honestly one of the biggest problems with WWE is the fact that the over reliance on John Cena. Is the over-reliance on Cena is the inability to let that guy lose more than one match in a row. The fact that he has even lost to Randy Orton, he's lost to Dolph Ziggler one time, the fact that he lost to Rusev one time, the fact that he lost Kevin Owens clean one time, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk is a miracle. It is a damn miracle. You know the last guy who went over Cena clean before Owens? Without any excuse, 
whatsoever, and it happened on a random SmackDown. Big Show. And what happened? Big Show caught Cena flush in the face. And he pinned him clean with a knockout punch. And it's mostly because Big Show had to wrestle Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> but that was really one of the few times Cena went over, Cena lost clean as a damn whistle. Because Big Show literally knocked the dumbass out. The over-reliance on John Cena for one reason or the other, oh, his merchandise deals or his movie career that isn't that great, oh, it's just the merchandise. So look, here's the thing. One of the top three sellers in WWE right now, excuse me, the top three sellers in WWE, yes, one of them is John Cena. And one of them is Brock Lesnar. Oh, there's the other guy who beat Cena clean as a whistle, Brock Lesnar, and he almost murdered the guy. It was awesome. Um, the other is Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, and here's the thing, Kevin Owens, I'm, I know I'm a homer, it's fine. Kevin Owens was one of the biggest merch sellers on the indies. He's the, he was one of the, he was the biggest merch seller on Pro Wrestling Tees. He was one of the biggest merch sellers for ROH. One of the biggest uh, merch sellers for anybody who sold his stuff on the indie. He went out there and he promoted himself. He was the biggest merch seller in NXT. He is literally the closest thing NXT has had to a villain. Think about it, Brian. Remember, who, can you even imagine a legitimate villain on NXT before Kevin Owens? No. No. Neville had heel tendencies because he was wrestling Sami Zayn. But even then, you understood it. Tyler Breeze is awesome. But he is not like the main event, I am going to murder you type of heel. Before Kevin Owens, NXT didn't have a legit heel threat. Because Bray Wyatt wasn't down down there long enough to even matter. I mean, Dean Ambrose was, but he didn't even appear on NXT. So here's the thing. Kevin Owens was, he came into NXT a big star. He was one of the biggest merch sellers in NXT. He comes up to WWE and already he is competing with John Cena. Cena put the guy over one time and then proceeded to try and bury him. He tried. If Cena had put him over in that third match, if Cena had done the J-O-B for Owens in the third match, lost the U.S. title to him, you would have created a megastar right then and there. You would have. You wouldn't have to rely on John Cena, or you wouldn't have to rely on Randy Orton, or Brock Lesnar, or Sting. You wouldn't have had to rely on Seth Rollins hopefully getting over as a chicken shit heel. And Seth Rollins has done a great job in that role. But he has no credibility. The one thing Kevin Owens has on Seth Rollins is credibility. 
you would have created a mega heel in Owens that could keep himself over with his mouth. He can back it up in the ring, and you don't need Lesnar to show up every two months or so. Do you have the Les- do you have Lesnar as the bigger bad? Absolutely. You absolutely have him as the bigger bad. But do you have Kevin Owens as the the Brock Lesnar who is around full time? Yes. And his merch sells. And he stays over. He's making you give a crap about a feud with Ryback. And that's nothing bad to say about Ryback. Ryback is a guy who should be champion right now. But he's bringing the best out of Ryback. He brought the best out of Cesaro. There's another guy that they stopped and started and stopped and started and stopped and started. How many times is Cesaro going to get pushed on the card? (laughs) Speaking of guys who should be over way more than they are, and he's still over, surprisingly, but God, he just got knocked out by the big show. Twice. That's how much they give a crap about Cesaro. They knocked, he knocked him out twice, and he's helped beating Bo Dallas. Yay. Jesus. Randy Orton can come out and squash Bo Dallas in five minutes. Cesaro needs a bit of help. <laughs> so, this is our problem. You have all of these people who could come out and sell and come out and be your backbone because Cena is not going to last forever. Cena needs to transition to that Hulk Hogan role. Does Hulk Hogan still sell merchandise? Hell yes, he does. Regardless of what he said eight years ago on a tape that should have never have been recorded that we should have never have known about. Right. That's another issue for another day. And one of these days we're going to get into that. I'm surprised we haven't. But Cena needs to start transitioning to that role where his time at the top is coming to an end. His time as the focus is coming to an end. He needs to start transitioning to special attraction. Not guy who goes over every single guy because, and look, a lot of wrestlers have said this has been one of the biggest problems. A lot of the former wrestlers, look at any shoot interview. And this is something the Shield fought against. They said, "Look, you run up, you run us up against Cena. He does his thing. We lose, and we're every other guy. We are every other guy on the roster. Owens, when he beat Cena, was special." Even after that second match where he took Cena out with the pop of power bomb, it was he lost, but it, it was all right. It was almost like a fluke. That third match, he was every other guy. Yep. He was every other guy. And yeah, he was in the semi main event of SummerSlam against Cesaro. But now you need something big to get that guy back to where he was after his first damn match on the main roster. Isn't that sad? Horrible. This is sad. This is the number number two or three merch seller 
in your company. This is the guy who outsold Cena. Kevin Owens outsold Cena on the second biggest weekend in WWE, in the WWE's year. He outsold Cena. This is a guy who you could care, who will be your big monster heel and eventually will be your big badass face. Him and Balor and Joe and, and Zane and Atami. Every other guy. So, yeah, this guy's totally right. Most, at least he, he's, he's pretty much spot on. He's every other. Cena yeah. is the, one of the problems. That mind frame is that 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 mindset is a problem. The 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 fact that we cannot create stars is a problem. The fact that we've got to put Big Show over Cesaro three times and get him ready to job to Brock is a problem. I I do wish you know I mean I'm sure people have been outspoken. You can pick your battles, and some guys have had more success than others. But we all know what the Shield. It's been well. It's been said publicly what the Shield did in their match against Cena. It was it was Cena, it was Cena, Sheamus, and it was a Ryback. I think it was in that match. The sixth man. It you was Cena, Ryback, and Sheamus. Yeah, you, we all know what they did. They went in there to Vince, and they refused to lose. Yeah, they refused to lose them. And that. What's, if, if, if the shield would have been done right then and there, but no, they got they put them over and they continued their push throughout the year, and that's the only reason why you got through them three shield guys still with credibility because they went over in these matches against Cena and Sheamus and all these guys. They went over Triple H, Batista, and Orton a number of times. They built them up so that they could ace the same losses when they do get them. That's how Daniel Bryan, after a while, was able to sustain. Because at least at the beginning, when Daniel Bryan had his original push that summer, he went over, guys. You committed. Then you tried to push him down, but the fans wouldn't let you. And then you went ahead and gave him a mega push at one pay-per-view where he went over everybody at Evolution but Ric Flair. <laughs> I mean, and, and there was no looking back after that point. I don't care how many matches Daniel Bryan loses now. There's no looking back at that point. But you committed. Commit. You had a chance for Owens. Commit. Cesaro. Commit. Ambrose. Even though he's at least had the shield stuff. Commit. Gotta commit. The pay, um, I don't want to get into this, but I'm just going to bring this up just for the sake of bring up news here. The preliminaries. Uh, SummerSlam numbers came out, and apparently uh, pay-per-view numbers, not network, pay-per-view buys were up for a second straight pay-per-view. So even though WWE is telling people, not directing people to buy it on pay-per-view, it looks like people are. And you know what, since the number, I think, was only maybe a little down from last year, which is kind of surprising given the fact that, the you know, a lot of the programs this summer weren't very good. I think you can pretty much attribute uh, the Summer Stram to Undertaker and Lesnar. Because nobody saw that coming when it when it did happen. So I think that kind of helped it. But 
All right, so we're going to conclude tonight with some TV. And there's not a lot because, number one, you know, really all we have is Thursday and the weekend. And, and, and the weekend. Not much TV goes out on the weekend except for maybe Doctor Who um, and whatever's on Sunday nights. And um, obviously, now I haven't gotten to everything. Obviously, neither has Mike because we've had this discussion before. Um, I did get to a few things, a couple of returning shows, a couple of new shows. Um, Thursday night, I did watch, I did, God, God, God help me, I did watch Heroes. That, what a mess. What a mess. That was the Thursday night. They debuted, it had a 1-9, now I guess they can claim a small victory, NBC, on Thursday, because it held that that number, that 1.9 in the demo throughout the whole entire two hours, which is, a, at least you kept the, people that were watching from the beginning through the entire broadcast. That's a positive, but to debut for one nine gives you no wiggle room at all for droppage after the initial appeal wears off. I like a lot of the actors. It's great that Masioka's back, even though they did nothing with him almost, if anything. Um, it's a shame. It was. I feel the same way about this show as I did about Minority Report. Boring. I mean, it's just, it was just flat-out boring. It dragged so much. It was, it, I really think, given the cost of the show, and I know they don't have a high episode order, it's not going to last. It really isn't. It, 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 it just had, you know, that kind of show, it, 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 that's not going to work anymore. You can't do that kind of show and have it drag like that when there are so many, like, comic book aspect shows out there now. Daredevil, S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, Arrow, Flash, that... Don't drag like that. You can't debut like that. Even Gotham doesn't drag like that. My God. It, it was just... Uh, so I did check that one out. Disappointed in that. Um, another new show that debuted that night was The Player. I watched half of that. I don't plan to watch the other half. I just didn't care. I can't believe the same people that did The Blacklist did that show because to me it's just like every other kind of like show where you and, and you know bring a guy into this undercover op kind of organization and it just goes from there it's no it's just too, too generic and, and there's nothing they, they didn't do anything different with the kind of concept that they're basing the show around so that's not going to last you know, i don't care how well the blacklist tries to build to it it's just not going to last um I can't speak to any of the returning shows that night because I don't watch ABC's lineup of Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away with Murder. I just don't. I like Viola Davis. I just don't watch How to Get Away with Murder. Except for when I have to judge a reel or something or look at a reel or something. And I haven't I had to do that in a while. So, yeah. So, I can't give you anything on that. Although they all debuted strong. How to Get Away with Murder, it surprised me, didn't debut as strong which is odd because Viola Davis winning the Emmy. You'd think the publicity would have helped that. It really didn't. Um, in the 10 p.m. slot, I got a 2-6, which isn't bad. That's solid, but you'd think it'd get more, especially with Scandal getting a 3-3 at 9. Scandal was down from its premiere last year and its ending of last year. Uh, and Grace and Amy got a 2-8, which is solid given the season um, it's it's in. So, um, yeah, so that's. That's Thursday. Friday, if any way watches TV on Fridays, you know choices are very scarce. Um, Amazing Race, Star Tank, Hawaii Five-0. Um, 
last man standing. Um, you know, that's pretty much it. Blue Bloods. I don't watch any of those shows, so I can't speak to it. But from a rating standpoint, Amazing Race came in at a 1-1, which they're going to take for Friday. Last Man Standing, a 1-1, which, again, Friday night, people are going to take whatever they can get. Uh, Shark Tank, a 1-6 at 9 o'clock. Hawaii 5-0, 1.0. And, and that show's probably in its last season anyway. Blue Bloods, a 1.3 at, at, at 10 o'clock. Uh, again, um, it's Friday night. Everything is skewed. Nobody really worries about it. You just try to put on, you know, in a lot of ways, you try to put on the cheapest programming you can that has the best chance, and that's really what Friday night is. So not really much worth the discussing there. Um, and that, that's not meant to be a cop-out. It's just, you know, it's Friday night. Ratings-wise, everybody, the networks look at it and go, okay, whatever. We'll do the best we can there. Try to keep it cheap. Try to keep it, you know, try to do something with it that makes a profit. Think who's in the rating, and a lot of those shows are are watched by a wide swap of people. So it is what it is. And I've seen all the all the returning shows that aired that night. I've watched them before, so it's not like I don't know what they're about. But I just don't watch them anymore. I'm not a casual viewer of any of them. So Sunday there was a host of new shows that debuted and some that returned. Um, on the new side of things, you had um, you had debut of Blood and Oil and of Quantico. I saw Quantico, did not see Blood and Oil. Um, I saw Potential in Quantico. It debuted of a 1-9, which at 10 is very good. Uh, built on its weed and Blood and Oil debuted of a 1-4. So that's good that it built on the show before it. Uh, for 10 o'clock on a Sunday, I think you take the one nine. So I think that bodes well. We'll see how it holds up this week. I didn't think it was bad. I think it has potential. Um, you know, it, it has Homeland vibes to it. Um, just in a different kind of concept, different kind of concept of what Homeland, you know, is. But so I think it had some of them vibes to it. So I, I mean, it, it has potential. We'll see what happens in week two, but. For a 10 o'clock show on a Sunday, that was a good start. Board and Oil, again, I haven't seen it, but ratings-wise, that ain't going to get it done. A 1-4. Uh, once Upon a Time got a 1-8, and then you drop to a 1-4 Board and Oil, and then, again, a 1.9 with Quantico. So the good thing is Quantico got back everything that Once Upon a Time had in the first hour and even got a little bit better. Board and Oil lost everything at 9 o'clock hour. So that's a you know good sign that Quantico was able to get that audience back. If they had... If they had a stronger lead, and you like to see maybe they got a bigger sample, but I don't think Born and Oil is going to be around for a while with that when it can't even hold its lead in. And then the show that's on after it does better than them. It's not good at all. What might end up happening is Quantico gets shipped to the 9, even though it's a little bit more of a darker show. Shipped it to 9, even though it doesn't go well at Once Upon a Time, but it'll probably get maybe a little bit of a boost there. And Once Upon a Time came in for 1-8, I'm pretty sure this is going to be it for that show unless ABC doesn't has another mediocre year where a lot of their new shows don't come off well. Because um, you can't keep justifying this show with the numbers it's getting, especially on a Sunday night at 8 o'clock. I mean, I know it's up against football, but it, it caters to a completely different audience. You've got to do better than that. It's not. So I don't think this show's long for the world here. But, you know, 
I, I mean, for time being, I guess it's a solid enough number. Um, given, you know, where it's kind of been when the last maybe year or so. Brooklyn Nine Nine debuted for one five. Simpsons a one five. Family Guy a one five. Last Man on Earth came back in nine thirty for one four. Which Fox are going to take all that. That's just typical for their Sunday night lineup. So no shocks there. And then last night we came back to Monday night. And now, you know, for the shows that either returned or premiered last Monday, you look to see how they hold. And oftentimes we focus more on the new than the old, but it's just important that the returning shows this year hold their audience coming out of the premieres. Then... it's even more so important that they hold their audience than new shows. Because, look, new shows are a dime a dozen. If you're a returning show, most of the time you're you're anchoring a lineup or expected to lead into something. So people end up losing the importance of that. They focus this, oh, okay, we're looking at the new shows, which are going to be turning into hits. Got to focus on the old returning shows, too, especially those that maybe came into the season with their futures uncertain. Now, as you look at the numbers for last night, the final numbers, um, you know, some of the live numbers. I, I like to look at a little bit of both. And for this, for Monday night, I'm going to look at the finals because a lot of Monday is returning shows. Big Bang came in at 3.8. Voice came in with 3.4. Gotham a 1.6. Dance with the Stars a 1.6. Scorpion a 1.7. Um, Castle a 1.2. And says LA a 1.2. So a lot of these shows, like Big Bang Theory was down a little from last week. The Voice was down a little bit from last week. Dance with the Stars was up. Gotham was the same. Scorpion was down a little. But for the most part, they all stayed with decent enough numbers, okay? If you stayed the same or you have kind of stayed at a decent number, you take it. Because obviously premieres are going to be a little higher. So maybe had a cliffhanger or whatever, okay? What's, I mean, I think Scorpion might be a little worried, but that might have more to do with the lead-in uh, being life in pieces. At 8.30, that has a 1.9. Maybe that's hurting it, but we'll see if that continues. If Scorpion continues to drop, then you worry a little bit. Right now, it's just kind of monitor and see if the Life and Pieces lead is kind of hurting it. Um, and I haven't seen that show, so no one even asked me what that, how good that is. But Minority Report, I didn't watch. I watched it last week. I decided not to watch it this week because I've seen enough of it last week. And it's already down to a point nine, so I guess I'm not going to – I don't think many people are going to have the opportunity to watch it much going forward because <laughs> it's it's pretty much maybe a week or two away from probably getting canceled. But um and blind spot, good holdover. Um two six and nine point one million at ten o'clock. So, you know, last week got a three one, dropped five tenths, but still hanging in there, a decent retention. Um and off the voice dropping, that's you'll take that. So that not too bad for blind spot. You look to now you see next week, and you hope that it kind of hangs around 2.3, 2.5, and kind of builds from there. If it does, then you got that's a good sign. If it doesn't, then you start to worry. 
Um, and I didn't watch the blind spot last night. So I can't really um, can't really speak to how, how I got on DVR. I'll check it out. But um, I, my only TV watching last night, I actually watched Gotham, and I watched um, I watched um, that's, I think that's it actually, because I didn't have time to watch anything else. Oh, for some reason I watched Big Bang Theory, and I still don't like that show. Don't blast me with emails. I just don't. But yeah, so. That's the story so far. Um, Mike, I know you don't watch much TV. I know you're busy, but if there's anything that you watched or anything new or returning or whatever that you want to mention, go right ahead. Uh, Well, uh, I did see, like, I think uh, part of the first and the second episode of Heroes because it was on. And it was, wow, it was kind of boring. It was kind of there, like... All right, here's a bit of a spoiler. You bring back the Haitian. Big, mysterious character, right? And then you kill him off in the first episode. Or second episode, or whatever it was. I want to say this. Much like the original season of Heroes, the Japanese part was the most interesting part. Honestly... Hiro Nakamura was the most interesting character, and Ando were the most interesting characters of the first part of Heroes. And he had brought in George Takei as the father. It was interesting. <laughs> and you killed off George Takei, and that, that, that sucked. Uh, but it's implied that we're going to see the two more interesting characters come up like within a few weeks, which is uh, Hero and Matt Parkman, which is great because those characters are fun. It's just Hero... Hero. I meant to say Heroes. It was boring. The main cast members got stupid... And it's like nothing could save it. It was bad writing at the end. It was boring at the end. Even the smartest characters got the idiot ball. And the dumber characters got the even dumber idiot ball. Like, I don't know how people rooted for Peter Petrelli at the end. Or people rooted for uh, uh, Claire Bennett at the end. I don't. Um... I don't know how people gave a crap about Siler after like two seasons of nobody figuring out what he could do and what he couldn't do and all that nonsense. Heroes, it was an exciting thing for a lot of people that is coming back. The problem is the first two episodes there weren't a whole lot going on. It's just it's just the setup part. Because you're introducing all these new characters. And I get that. It's just there is a way to make that interesting. <laughs> and it, it really wasn't the case for most of the cast. Oh, the kid who plays Peter Pan in Once Upon a Time gets another main role somewhere else. I just find it funny how he's just all over the place. Huh. Uh, I did actually see a bit of Minority Report in in and out and I was not impressed with what I saw. Um, what else? What else? Um, 
guessing that I see. I don't know. I mean, yeah, uh, Vicious had a season finale. That was great. And I'm hoping Series 3 happens. Uh, but go out and watch Vicious. Um, I don't know, Doctor Who had an outstanding episode. Unbelievably outstanding. That holds up against anything else on television easily. You should probably go start watching that. Peter Capaldi and uh, Michelle Gomez and uh, Jenna uh, are just doing fantastic work there. Just fantastic work. Um, God, I don't even know. I still haven't seen Blind Side. I still got the first episode of Gotham just sitting there. I think the second episode of Gotham is now sitting there, too. Can I bring myself to click play? And the answer apparently is no. <laughs> it's just... I'm not, I'm not super motivated to sit there and click on Gotham. I'm not... I'm more motivated to watch S.H.I.E.L.D. That's coming up when, like, in a week or so? Tonight. Tonight? Wow. On right now. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm keeping you from watching. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's what DVRs are for. But, oh, yeah. Uh, I know. I love you. Like, no, that's okay. That's what DVRs are for. Not like, no, Mike, it's all right. I was going to watch it later, so I planned for this. I did plan for this. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> such a fanboy. Oh, stop. Like, you're not a fanboy. No, you Black. are a fanboy, and you know it. I am. I admit it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm going to watch S.H.I.E.L.D. probably this weekend. I'm interested in it. Uh that's that's the best I can say. Honestly, the show that I was inter- most interested in coming back was Doctor Who. It is it is absolutely amazing so far, uh, and everything else I feel like has to live up to that standard. And some do, and some don't. Well, next week you got Arrow and Flash, so there you go. Well, Arrow and Flash are coming back, but honest to God, after what I heard. Mm. About what was happening instead of Arrow. Not what was happening behind the scenes with with the creative control of those for those morons at DC. Um, I'm scared for it. Uh, it's going to be fun next week. <laughs> and honestly, I've got this thing that I need to share with Justin. Bosch Spot did this amazing thing. Yeah, you know what Dungeons and Dragons are. Yeah. Yes. They made this guy, God bless him. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons in my life. It's it's a lot of people like it. It's cool. It's like tabletop RPG. This is the funniest thing, and we should all probably do it someday. It's called a Viper in Mizville, <laughs> where it's a unique R- uh, 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 RPG, except all the player characters are Randy Orton. And then and the, the nice little cover of the rule book has Randy Orton RKOing a giant snake with a Viper version of Orton with Viper arms, and then the younger version of Orton pooping in the snake's nest. <laughs> I'm going to have to show this to you. This is this is magnificent. Please do. I, I'm um, not going to lie, but that, but that that's all I'm going to say. 
that's that's it. Yeah. Um, all right. So you know what? Okay. We we now Thursday we'll do part four of this report again, TV report again, and next week we'll probably be we probably won't do it both nights. Actually, we might not do it at all because we might just take a break from it and then pick up next the week after because. Um, you know, I don't think it, it, I, there won't be as much debuting and returning. So, and there are still some shows that will be coming late in October as well. So, we might not do it every night. The Thursday might be the last night in which we, you know, that might end the whole continuous thing we've been doing the last two weeks. But, um, we'll still do it. And again, there are still some premieres left. Some coming late in October. You know, Fox has the World Series and everything. So sometimes they delay. You know, the X Files is coming, stuff like that. So. Sometimes Fox de- delays theirs, and sometimes NBC and stuff delay theirs, too. You know, it just depends on what they got going on. Like, the Blacklist is starting Thursday, so S.H.I.E.L.D. started tonight. You know, Arrow and Flash start next week. So there are still shows to return, some new shows to debut. And we'll, again, after this week, I think we'll probably do it just as needed and not so much every show because um, it won't be necessary. And we'll also be bringing back our TV review segment where we actually get more in-depth on the shows that we do watch and, you know, criticize. So we'll get more into that as well beyond just talking about every every show we possibly can talk about, you know. So, all right. So with all that being said, we'll just, we'll wind down. We've done everything we have to do. Um, As always, the show might be over, but that does not mean you have to stop interacting and contributing with us or the show, you can continue to send in feedback, questions about the show, show scheduling, topic ideas, or breaking news items related to sports, entertainment, or wrestling that you want to make sure we cover, um, reactions or comments, anything we said or anything we did on the show. All those things you can submit via email, Facebook, and Twitter. The email for our show is itspotlight 41 at gmail.com. Again, it's itspotlight 41 at gmail.com. You can also follow us and tweet us at itspotlight 41 Again, it's at itspotlight 41 And please remember to use the hashtag. Hashtag IT Spotlight 401. Again, it's hashtag IT Spotlight 401 for anything you tweet regarding our show. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for us using the current title of our show in the Spotlight of Brian Garter. That's, that title will be changing, but right now that is the current title again in the Spotlight of Brian Gardner. And then once you find us on Facebook, like our fan page and then go ahead and post whatever it is you like to post. Facebook and Twitter is what you want to follow us on for the most up to date information about the show and social scheduling, you know, Football Fridays especially can be kind of confusing with the time because it's never really a set time sometimes, but if you don't follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get the the scheduling information, to get late-breaking information about our show, the next best way to get that kind of information and stay up-to-date and caught up on our show is to visit us on our main show page here on TalkShoe.com. You can find us here on TalkShoe.com by searching for us using the current full title of our show, In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. Again, it's In the Spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find our main show page, you'll have access to all of our episodes since our move to talk show nearly five years ago. They're all available in the episode archive at the bottom of the page in order from the most recent date to the oldest. They're all labeled for you, so you can catch up on whatever episodes you need to. You can also use that information, the information on it, to help figure out if you missed an episode or you know, find, to help you find an episode you may be looking for in particular. Also, our most recent episode, in addition to the episode archive at the bottom of the page, it's also available in the most recent episode box in the top right-hand corner of the show page. Just click on the play icon in that box, and that episode will play for you. Also, on that show page, you have access to um, 
scheduling information whenever I schedule a show, which is not usually any earlier than a couple minutes before showtime, just because you never know it might come up. Um, a countdown clock will appear in the top right-hand corner near the most recent episode box, counting down to the next show, and an upcoming episode listing will appear above the episode archive at the bottom of the page, which will give you all the information about our next episode so you know what it's about, when it's going to start. Obviously, the countdown clock will tell you also when it's going to start. And if it's a few minutes before showtime, it'll also say live starting now, you know, or you can check in now or whatever, live now, and you can just click on the show link and it'll immediately bring you into the chat room and all that stuff. So our show page, very helpful. You might want to check it out, particularly on our usual show days, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, Tuesdays and Thursdays at night, Fridays during the day, or check it out the next the day after shows to see if you missed the show, maybe because the time got changed last minute or something, so you can catch up. So just make sure you check out our show page regularly. You know, keep refreshing the page when you do, and then you'll be up to date, be able to keep up to date on the show as to when we schedule shows, or maybe when you miss the show or get caught up on episodes you've missed or just want to check out again. So check us out here on our main show page on TalkShoe.com to be able to do all that. Again, that's here on TalkShoe.com. You can also check us out on our second home, LibsIn.com. The search for Zonda using our current full title in the spotlight with Brian Gardner, and it's in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find us over there on LibsIn, scroll down, you'll find all of our most recent episodes in order from their most recent date to the oldest, all the way with free descriptions, um, dates, times, whatever you need to help you find the episode you're looking for. So if you want to check us out over there on LibsIn.com, feel free to do so. Again, it's over there on our second home, LibsIn.com. You can also check out our very first episode over on blogtalkradio.com. And that's on blogtalkradio.com. Search for using our current full title in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. Get us in the spotlight with Brian Gardner. And then once you find our show page over there, scroll down, and you'll find the first ever 31 episodes of our show on our old show page over there. Again, those are our original 31 episodes. They will always be there. So if you're interested, feel free to go check those out. They're in order from the most recent date to the oldest. They're all labeled for you. So whether you've never listened to them before, or maybe, just maybe, with the fifth anniversary coming up next week, you're feeling nostalgic and want to check them out again. Whatever the case may be, feel free to check those episodes out over there on blogtalkradio.com. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com, our old home. You can also check us out on iTunes, which, Mike, you can plug if you'd like. I suppose. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel so needed now. I don't know if I, I I like this now, Brian. God, but I suppose you can search for "In the Spotlight" with Brian Gardner, and once you go there, look in the podcast sections. Once you're there, there should be exactly one episode popping up. Click on that episode and then go to feed. That's where all of the other episodes are. And if you subscribe to that feed, every episode will be downloaded automatically to your podcast folder. So if that's where you prefer us to listen to, that's where we'll be. Somehow, you really it, it, you got to kind of look, really look. But it's there. We probably It's there. <laughs> we think. Maybe. Uh, just, just anything, anything else you want to plug or mention? Two amazing things happened this week that I found out. We found out that there's water on Mars, which is amazing and awesome, and a little bit red, but that's mostly because of the, the iron oxide in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and I discovered that there's a Randy Orton RPG game. 
And one of the legendary villains you could fight is, in fact, Seamus. And then I love the little caption is nobody knows how they were they they just fight eternally. Nobody knows how their feud started, and nobody knows how it will end. It's fairly accurate. <laughs> and of course, there's legendary adventurer John Cena. His ability, of course, is LOL Cena wins. LOL. LOL Cena wins. How how depressing, but yes. All right. Um, as always, I'd like to thank Jeff Tech for being here tonight. Thank you, Jeff Tech. I'd like to thank Mike for being here tonight. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, you're welcome. Now it's time to go to sleep. Thank myself for our great show. Pay myself my back. And thank all of you for your continued support and contributions to the show. Thank you so much for listening. That is it for tonight. We, Our next show, of course, this Thursday, our entertainment show, we'll have part four of our fall TV report. Um, do our box office beat, and if there's some time, you know, we may do some entertainment news, because depends, depends if there's time or if there's anything our audience wants us to discuss, and if you want us to discuss something, let us know, or anything that I see that's worth bringing up, worth discussing, et cetera, but, you know, it'll be an entertainment show, so you know what, you know the drill. That's on Thursday, and of course, Friday, Football Friday, I'll let you know the time for Football Friday on Thursday's show. Also on Thursday, we'll give you a little insight into the anniversary plans for next week and beyond kind of lay things out for you a little bit. So that will be exciting as well. So that's what's left for this week. Entertainment show Thursday was complete with some real anniversary announcements. And Friday, of course, Football Friday. I'll let you know the time for Football Friday on Thursday's show. So I hope you all have a great rest of your night, a great Wednesday, and a great Thursday. See you back here Thursday night, broadcasting live here on TalkShoe at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time for our next show. Until then, have a good night, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.